She's Tori. And he's Nick. And this is I Want to Rewatch. An X-Files podcast, season three. Episode 12. War of the Coprophages. In this episode, several people in a small town are found dead covered in cockroaches. Mulder thinks the cockroaches are to blame somehow, like maybe they're a genetic experiment or alien bug robots. Scully offers medical explanations for the deaths from the comfort of home, while Mulder works with an entomologist to try to get to the bottom of it. Mm. Yeah. A little weird. This episode originally aired on Friday, January 5th, 1996. It was filmed in British Columbia, Canada, and it was written by Darren Morgan and directed by Kim Manners. In between revelations in this episode, Fox aired repeats of Beyond the Sea on December 22nd and Roland on December 29th. So we open and we see a man holding a flashlight and he grabs a cockroach off a wall and then he holds the flashlight up to his face and he's holding the cockroach. And he's all, behold, the mighty cockroach. And then he says, it's believed to have originated in the Cerulean period over 350 million years ago. And they can be found in every part of the world. There are over 4,000 known species. And in a year, a single female can produce over half a million descendants. Radiation doesn't kill them. And by evolutionary standards, they're nearly flawless creatures. But they are creatures mostly run by a central nervous system. Their behavior is mostly dictated as a response to external stimuli. They're incapable of thought. And then the man pulls a string on an overhead light, and he says, compared to the roach, we are gods. We therefore must act accordingly. And he drops the cockroach on a concrete floor, and then he steps on it and squashes it. And there's a man down there with him, and he asks if it's true, if you can decapitate them and they'll still live until they die of starvation. And the man says, look, buddy, I just kill them. And we find out he's an exterminator for a company named Dr. Bugger. So Yeah. And this was the exact moment when he goes from having that like flowery monologue about them to being like, look, buddy, I just killed them. I was like, yep, yeah, this is a Darren Morgan episode. 100%. And then later the credits roll and it was like written by Darren Morgan. And I was like, yep, nailed it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, also just the name Doctor Bugger on the shirt would be a clue, I think. So yeah, that's also kind of, but the, just that style of humor is very Darren Morgan. Yeah. So then I don't know. We'll call the dude Mister Bugger. I don't know. That's what I was is. calling him. But... <laughs> yeah, and so he starts spraying the basement with bug spray. So we find out he's there to exterminate the roaches that the other dude has in his basement. And the man says he heard the procedure was to freeze roaches now. Bugger tells them that they have a new pesticide that works like a fungus. It not only kills the infected roaches, but then that roach spreads the disease to every roach it comes in contact with. So, like, takes it home and kills them in their beds. Anyway, the client looks nervous and says, just as long as you get rid of the bugs, they drive him crazy. And then he heads upstairs. And so Bugger's, like, spraying. He sees a cockroach, like, on the wall. So he sprays it, but it doesn't seem affected. He sprays it again. It doesn't do anything. So then he knocks it off the wall. And then he steps on it. But when he lifts his foot, it like runs away. And then he starts getting like short of breath. Like, oh, oh, oh. He grabs his throat and he leans against the wall. And he collapses to the floor. And then roaches start like swarming out of a hole in the floor. 
And then the homeowner comes back down to tell him he forgot to mention he saw a roach. I'm, like, I'm assuming he's going to say, like, I saw one upstairs or something. And he looks and sees Bugger, and Bugger is kneeling, and he's got roaches all over him. And then he, like, collapses to the ground and stops moving. And then it's a theme song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, as we mentioned lots of times, Tori writes the summary. And then sometimes I take a sneak peek at the summary before I watch the episode. And I kind of did that this time. And I read like the first like two pages and I wrote the following. I have not seen this episode yet or read past. He tells her Miller's Grove. The town has a large science constituency, which will come for the next scene. And then I said, like, I'm not going to read any further because as soon as I saw the name Miller's Grove at the top, I immediately thought of Grover's Mill which is one of the locations in the Mercury Theater version of War of the Worlds. Mm-hmm. And so I'm thinking that's not a coincidence. It's not. That's exactly where Miller's Grove came yeah, from. Yeah, and especially after the next scene, I was like, oh, because they basically like verbatim take like dialogue yeah. from the radio play and are using it. And so just so when we get to ratings, I'm already decked in a point because it should not be this obvious. So Oh, I think it's nice. I like the obvious stuff. I think it's good. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to pay homage to something, might as well just go. Well, you for can it. pay homage without just like directly lifting dialogue and then just being, I mean, like, you can, I don't know, paying homage and being like blatantly obvious are two different things, in my opinion, but whatever. So, yeah, I was kind of like immediately turned off. And that may color my reaction to the episode. Who knows? <laughs> so, interestingly enough, we have talked many times about weird coincidences that occur on this podcast about how things match and today we're recording this on october 30th which is actually the day that the mercury theater's presentation of war of the worlds was presented because then the next day was halloween and that's mm-hmm. when all the news stuff happened about the you know the panics and all that kind of stuff but it actually it actually wasn't everyone talked about it being the halloween presentation but it was actually the october 30th mm-hmm. presentation and then Halloween is when all the new stuff happened. So yeah, it's just fate. Coincidence. <laughs> this podcast has a lot of serendipity. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. So then we see Mulder is sitting in a parked car and he's looking up at the stars and a bug of some kind. I thought it was a grasshopper, but I don't think it actually is because Mulder doesn't really know what it is. But it lands it on. Like his... a, it's a grasshopper. It's either a grasshopper or a locust or something. It's one. Of yeah, something of that looks like that. But it lands on his windshield, and so he like turns the wipers on to get it off. And then his phone rings, and it's Scully, and she asks where he's been because she hasn't been able to reach him all day. And Mulder tells her that his apartment is being fumigated, so he decided to head up to Massachusetts for the weekend. And we see Scully is at home in her kitchen, and she's cleaning her gun while she talks to him. And she asks if he's visiting his mother, but he says, no, he's just sitting and thinking. There have actually been widespread accounts of colored lights hovering in the sky last night. So, you know, he's kind of checking out the the light sighting. And Mulder tells her that he knows it's not Scully's inclination, but does she ever look up at the night sky and feel certain that something is looking down at you at the exact same time? And it's just as curious of you as you are of it. And Scully says the fact that complex, intelligent life evolved on our planet is incredible. And the very idea of intelligent alien life isn't merely improbable. It's also anti-Darwinian. And then Mulder's like, what are you wearing? You know, kind of breaking the tension a little. And she laughs. Mulder says he gets what she's saying, but he needs to keep looking. 
When she tells him not to look too hard, he may not like what he finds. And he points out that that's what Dr. Zayas said to Charleston Heston at the end of Planet of the Apes. And then headlights appear and Mulder's like, okay, I got to go because there's like a car pulling up behind him and he hangs up. So I thought that their uh, conversation was super cute. And Scully looks really cute. She's like at home. So she has her hair pulled back and she's wearing just like a sweater and like just casual, like kind of like a cardigan and just casual I'm at home clothes. And I don't know. I dig it. I think it's a good look for her. Like she looks good yeah, in suits. I, mean, I don't but- know. I think people can have a conversation without it having to be super cute. But damn, I know Mulder's dad actually lived in Massachusetts. His mom lives in Connecticut, according to paperclip. So he wouldn't be visiting his mom if he was in Massachusetts, um, unless she moved back to the house since Bill Mulder died. Hmm. So also she's been trying to get a hold of him all day. But like she calls him and his phone rings and he answers it. Like she not trying to call it. I don't know what's going on. Maybe he wasn't answering his phone. Maybe he had it off, or maybe he was driving, couldn't answer. Yeah, who knows? So the car lights are actually a sheriff, Sheriff Frass, and he approaches Mulder's car window and asks what Mulder is doing. And Mulder says, sitting and thinking. And he's like, and talking on the phone, who are you talking to? Your drug dealer. And so Frass asks Mulder for his ID, and then Mulder pulls out his badge, and Frass asks if he's on a case. And Mulder tells him about the report of UFO sightings and asks if he saw anything. And Frass says no, but they did receive a lot of phone calls. And Mulder asks if they gotten any more calls tonight. Frass says no. And then he asks Mulder why his wiper blades are on. And Mulder tells him he was using them to knock bugs off the windshield. And then Frass grabs his gun in panic and he's like, cockroaches. And Mulder says, maybe, maybe beetles. I'm not really good with bugs. And then the radio in the sheriff's car squawks from dispatch. And Frass holds up a finger and like runs over to get the radio. And then he hops in his car and drives up past Mulder and gives him back his badge. And Mulder asks what's going on. And Frass tells him another roach attack. So the sheriff's car is all wet from rain, but like the sky is totally clear and Mulder's car is not wet. I don't know what's going on there, but yeah, I don't know. So then Scully is sitting in front of her couch on the floor and she's eating a salad at her coffee table and watching television so live in that rock star single lady life, I guess. And Her house is super decorated. It's like an old woman's house, by the way. I'm gonna say, I mean, she's like, she's like a young woman, like in her, I guess what the, we were, she's in that. I think we decided she's like on that threshold of like 20, 30 kind of thing. Like she's like 30 something, right? She's probably 30 by now. I think I she's supposed think. to be born in 64. So at this point she'd be like 31 or something, right? Mm-hmm. Her house is super decorated, like an not like an old person decor, but like like someone who is like older and has like lived like a full life and their house is super decorated. But I don't know. Yeah, I just really noticed this one because she spends a lot, <laughs> she spends a lot of time in her house in this one. And so she you does, really yeah. see like the decor and I'm like, she's there's just a lot of stuff in her house or in her apartment, <laughs> I guess. So yeah. Yeah. So her phone rings and it's Mulder and he's like, Scully, I think you should get up here. And she's like, why? And so he tells her that cockroaches are mortally attacking people. Mulder says he's standing over a dead exterminator whose body was found with cockroaches crawling all over him. And the sheriff tells Mulder that two other bodies were found the same way this afternoon. And Scully's like, where exactly are you? And he tells her he's in Miller's Grove. The town has a large science constituency. The other victims were a molecular biologist and an astrophysicist. And the witness to this case is actually an alternative fuel researcher. And this was as far as I read. I stopped reading. and was like, I need to watch this episode before I make any more comments. So, <laughs> Yeah, it's probably a good thing. <laughs> watch the episode. <laughs> eh, I honestly, like halfway through, I kind of thought about stopping. So anyway. So Jeff Eckroll is the homeowner. So he's the witness and the alternative fuel researcher. 
And he's like standing there in the basement and he's like, he says that the image of those cockroaches has been permanently imprinted onto his brain. He's like, I can't sleep in this house. And Fraz is like, well, get a motel room. And Scully asks Mulder if there are any insect bites on the body. And Dr. Newton, the pathologist, is with Mulder. So Mulder asks about insect bites and he says no. And Scully tells Mulder that millions of people are actually allergic to cockroaches and some have fatal reactions. They go into anaphylactic shock. Sometimes entomologists or exterminators even have those reactions after they've been working with bugs for a long time. Somehow it just hadn't come up before. So Mulder says, okay, you know, I'll check that out. And she's like, well, do you still want me to come up? And he's like, no, no, I'm sure you're right. And so he hangs up and Frass is like, who was that? And Mulder jokes that it was his drug dealer. Yes. And you neglected to mention in your notes that Dr. Newton is played by Bill Dow, formerly, and I guess futurely, I don't know what term you use for that, but Charles Burke. Oh, yeah. The Kalashari. Okay, I knew he looked familiar. Yeah, because we did mention that he comes back as someone else and then comes back as Charles slash Chuck Burke at some point. And so this is his I'm someone else and not, which I was confused because I scroll through the episodes to get a feel of where the, the breaks are and all that kind of stuff before I actually watch it. And I saw him and I was like, oh, hey, it's him. And then it wasn't him. It was just <laughs> it's the actor, not the character. So, yeah. <laughs> so then we are in another basement somewhere else we're assuming still in miller's grove and there are two young men sitting in front of like this chemistry set we assume they're cooking up some kind of drug and one of them inhales some of it and it's like dude that's some good crap and this young woman comes in who is sitting on the couch and she's like i don't know about this and the guy says this stuff takes your mind and you know expands it and she's like i think you're interested in expanding more than my mind and the first dude asks if she wants another beer then and then he pulls out of this contraption. It looks like it's supposed to be like maybe like a liquid nitrogen container or something. Like the bottles are all like hermetically like up to the lid and stuff. It's kind of, I don't know, maybe the kid's like got a science dad or something. She's like, okay. And then he takes one out and hands it to her. And the other dude who was going on about how like it's all mind expanding says she's making a mistake. And he has this big, long spiel about like, you know, you'll open your mind to the universe and blah, 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 blah. And then as he's talking, he's kind of like scratching at his wrist. And we see some cockroaches crawling around in the dirt. And then he looks at his arm and there's like this like hole in his arm. Mm -hmm. And then a roach goes in (laughs) and starts crawling around under his skin. And then he's like, oh, and he looks and he sees one on his other arm and he's all roaches. And they think he's freaking out. But he keeps panicking and he actually like we see him like grab like a razor, like a single edge razor. And he grabs it and then they're like they grab him and try and stop him from like cutting himself. He wants to like cut the roaches out of himself. And also probably super high. So Yes. Yeah, I imagine he is very high. So the stoner guy kind of looks like a young Will Wheaton, but he's actually played by Tyler Labine. And it's kind of funny because Labine will play a stoner on the X-Files two more times in two future episodes. So once this season... And again, all the way in 2016. Damn. Yeah, so he's got a long stoner career on the X-Files. He'll also be in an episode of Millennium as a guy named Gavin, who is not credited as a stoner. And he's had recurring roles on Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency and Boston Legal, among others. And he's also appeared in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia and The Rise of Planet of the Apes, which is kind (gasps) of- Planet of the Apes? Kind of interesting for this, this episode. 
And the girl in the scene is played by Nicole Parker, and she will also appear in two more X-Files episodes. Another this season where she's also credited as Chick, because she's credited as Chick in this one. And she's in the same episode as Levine in the 2016 season, and she's credited as stoner number two. And she will also be in an episode of Millennium. Question. Mm-hmm. Is the episode in 2016 that she's in, is one of the Darren Morgan episodes? You know, I don't remember. I'm I'm willing to bet it is because that seems like something he would do. He would make sure he gets the exact same people to play like the exact same characters in one of his episodes. Yeah, that actually does sound like something he would do. So, yeah, I didn't. I looked at the title of the episode and it sounded familiar, but then I like didn't bother to look who wrote it. So probably, okay. but I'm not yeah, sure. I'm willing to bet it is. Maybe we'll, no, obviously we'll find out. So, yes, we will at some point. We'll put, we'll put a really long pin in that one. And we'll come back to <laughs> then when we get to the late, late season, we get we'll, to season, and when we'll we get to come season back, 10, yeah, we got seven more seasons to go. So, yeah. So then we're back at Scully's house, and she's giving Queequeg a bath in the sink, and the phone rings, and she tells the dog to stay, and it kind of does like the little dog whine thing, and she answers the phone, and it's Mulder, and he changed his mind. He thinks she better come up after all, and she's like, "Has there been another roach attack?" And he says, "Yes, but it wasn't an allergic reaction." Two witnesses saw the victim screaming about roaches burrowing into him. And she asks if there are insects in the body. And he says they haven't found any yet, but there are wounds all over his body. Apparently, the victim attempted to get the roaches out using razor blades. And Scully's like, is there evidence of drug use at the scene? (laughs) Muller kind of looks up and there's this whole like drug cooking kit. And he's like, well, there is a homemade lab set up, but he's not sure what the guy was making. And he smells one of the beakers and says that it smells like a septic tank. And then he tells one of the other officers who's in the room to like make sure they analyze the contents of the beaker. And Scully tells him about Ekbon syndrome, where people delusional from drug use believe that insects are under their skin and they often try to extract them by cutting themselves. And again, she's like, do you want me to come up? And he's like, no, you're probably right about this. And he apologizes for bothering her. And she's like, it's no bother. And she hangs up and then she turns back to the sink. But of course, Queequeg has left and is running wet somewhere all over the house. So she chases after her to go find the dog, basically runs out of the kitchen. Yeah, And she's using apparently some super toxic like dog shampoo on this called Die Flea Die. Oh, so maybe she's giving Queequeg a flea bath. So, yeah, she probably doesn't yeah. want dragging that stuff all over the house. Yeah. So Fraz says he can't get anything out of the kids, but Mulder suggests that he drug test them. And then Mulder finds a roach under a table and he grabs it and he asks for a container and he tries to put the roach in the container, but it's basically like turned to dust, like destroyed it. And says, I think I killed it. And Fras says, you didn't kill it. You annihilated it. And Mulder thinks like maybe it molted and that's just the exoskeleton that he had grabbed. But Fras says, at least they have some evidence that there are actually roaches around here. And Mulder says they have more than that. The roach's exoskeleton was made of metal. And we see Mulder's hand and it's all kind of like his fingertips are all kind of cut up and bleeding. <laughs> Metal roaches. Ugh, that's not nightmarish at all. Although, honestly, I, I think I'd take metal ones over real bugs. Depending on the it situation. Depends on who made the metal ones. Yeah, it's very anyway, true. We have a commercial. Mm-hmm. And we come back and Mulder is in a hospital examination room. And Dr. Newton is there looking at Mulder's wounds. And he's like, oh, it's just a skin abrasion. And then Mulder's like, an abrasion caused by a metallic substance. And Newton says they should just wait until the analyses of the compound is complete before they jump to any conclusions. And then he tells Mulder as a doctor, 
he thinks it's best to be honest, even when the truth is unpleasant. And then Simulder's like, well, what are you going to tell me? And he's like, no, I want you to tell me something. I need you to be honest with me. Are we in danger? Mulder doesn't know. And he asks if he should evacuate his family. And Mulder doesn't know. And then Frass comes in and tells Newton that they're waiting for him to examine the boy's body. And then Newton makes a comment about feeling constipated after talking to Mulder and leaves. So mm -hmm. Frass asks what his problem was. And Mulder's like, he's just upset that I didn't know what was going on here. And then Frass is like, so what the hell is going on around here? So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, dear. I, I do have to thank Tori. We're getting a little bit of that, but she has cut out a lot of the nonstop like jokes that we're getting in the episode. Yeah, so, it's it's pretty. You. Yeah, it's actually yeah. like it didn't bother me at all in Hungbug. In this one, it's it didn't. I wouldn't say it bothered me, but it's a lot. It's just constant. Yeah. And you're like, no, Darren, 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 take yeah. a breath. Yeah. Drink some water. Calm down, buddy. <laughs> Calm down. Yeah. So thank you, Tori. You're welcome. So meanwhile, <laughs> in the bathroom, we see this cockroach crawl up out of the drain in the floor, and it heads for the stall where Newton is sitting. And he's got his pants down around his ankles, and he's flipping through a magazine. Scientific American. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, yeah. it's a scientific town. Yeah. <laughs> what else do you read? And a card falls out of the magazine and he picks it up, but he doesn't see like as he picks it up, there's like a roach under it and it like skitters away and he doesn't see the roach. And then there are more roaches on the back of the toilet and another on the toilet paper roll. And then we cut back to Mulder and Fraz and Mulder's telling Fraz that just because he works for the federal government doesn't really give him any insight into what's happening here. And Fraz is like, so you don't know about any government experiments being conducted here? And Mulder's kind of surprised by that. And Fraz is like, a couple of months ago, an agent claiming to be with the Department of Agriculture set up base on a couple acres across town. No one knows what's going on there. It's very hush-hush. And Mulder asks what he's suggesting. And Fraz says that killer bees were actually an experiment gone awry. Who's to say that the government hasn't created a breed of killer cockroaches? And Mulder's like, well, you might want to keep that theory to yourself. We don't need to create a panic. And then someone screams. They scream for help. So it's not just like a random scream. It's like a scream yeah. for help. I wasn't sure if that was supposed to be the nurse that we see or if that was actually supposed to be Newton. I'm not sure because it's, it's a it's a guy. But then the nurse who finds, well, mm -hmm. I guess I'm spoiling it, right? Mulder and Frass run into the bathroom and Newton is on the floor and the nurse is bending over him. So I wasn't sure if that was supposed to be Newton or if it's supposed to be the nurse that was like crying. Because he's like, I ah, help. So I, I think it's sure. the nurse. I, I got the impression okay. it was the nurse who found the body, but that was the impression I got. It could go yeah. either way. I wasn't sure. So, yeah. Because both dudes, right? So, anyway, Frass asks what's happened, and the nurse says that Newton's body was covered in roaches. And Mulder says, I don't see any roaches now. And the nurse says, I went to go get help, and then I came back. They were all gone. And then Mulder sees a roach on the sink, and he points it out to Frass. And it's, like, lying on its back. And so they're, like, slowly creep up on it. And it appears to be dead, so Mulder carefully picks it up. And then he starts to say it doesn't appear out of the ordinary. But then the roach, like, twitches, and it jumps out of Mulder's hand and goes down the drain of the sink. Bye-bye. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not going to get a sample that easily. So then Scully's on her sofa reading a book. She's actually reading Breakfast at Tiffany's by Truman Capote. Which is an in-joke, but, yeah, you can just ignore it. And then her phone rings. And she answers, and she's like, who died? And Mulder tells her the medical examiner. His body was found next to a toilet covered with roaches. 
And Scully tells Mulder to check and see if one of Newton's eyes is bloodshot with a dilated pupil. So Mulder like bends down, opens the eyelid, checks it and says that it is. And Scully says it was probably a brain aneurysm. Straining too forcefully on the toilet is actually a common cause for bursting a brain aneurysm. And Mulder's like, well, how do you explain the roaches? And she kind of shrugs and she's like, did you catch any? And he's like, almost. And she jokes that he hopes he's not implying this is an infestation of killer roaches, which I don't know if he's implying that. I think he straight out said it. (laughs) Either way. Also, I'm not sure on the brain aneurysm thing. I know that like straining on the toilet can lead to cardiac arrest kind of thing. Yeah, like, I mean, heart we, we kind of get, stuff, we kind of yeah. inadvertently get an Elvis reference here because Elvis died on the toilet basically from that, right? He had like heart attack on the toilet. But I don't know if, the, I mean, I guess it would make sense because like it yes. causes strain on the heart, which does it. So I guess that could actually cause a brain aneurysm yeah, as well. Yeah, because it could cause the blood to pump faster that would dislodge. Yeah, but I, I've always heard it as more of like that can actually cause the. Well, the I am not attack. a doctor. I'm just an honorary pathologist from watching lots of shows about pathologists, but that does sound like something that could happen to me. Yeah. It seems like it could be a similar thing. I've always heard the other thing. So Mm -hmm. yeah, for sure. So then we see a sign on a chain link fence that reads no trespassing property of the United States Department of Agriculture. Mulder climbs the fence. Boom. And then as he does, his phone rings, which I'm thinking like, dude, you're breaking into a place like turn your brainer off. (laughs) His phone rings when he lands. And so he answers it. And it's Scully who's in front of her computer eating ice cream out of a tub. And she tells them that she's been doing research. And in the 1980s, there was a cockroach species found only in Asia. And then they were found in Florida and sued they'd established themselves in this country. And so Mulder asked if they attack people. And she says no, but they behave differently than other breeds. They like fly for long distances and they're attracted to light. And Scully suggests that what Mulder has seen might be a new breed of cockroach that's been attracted to people and is basically like coming into the country and, you know, establishing itself kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So Mulder tells her the federal government under the guise of the Department of Agriculture has been conducting secret experiments in the area. And Scully warns him not to trespass on federal property, but Mulder's like, already did. And so <laughs> she there. asks Whoops. what he sees. <laughs> yep. Whoops. And he describes the house. He's like in the house at this point, And he's like, typical two-story suburban house, nice kitchen, modern appliances. And then he's like, but the walls are rippling. And she's like, what? And he finds a tear in the wallpaper and he shines the light into the tear. And like cockroaches come spilling out of the hole. And then they're like everywhere and all the windows and all the walls and on the counters and all over his feet. And he's like, I'm surrounded. And so he's like, you got to get out of there. And he's like, ah, and, but it's turned because his flashlight went out. And then someone flicks on a light in the kitchen and he tells Scully he's got to go. And of course she gets to do her like Mulder, Mulder, because he hangs up. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Although I will say Scully is living her best life in this episode and I am here for it. Like she's doing research at the computer, eating ice cream straight out of the carton. Like when I was a kid, I thought that was like peak adulthood. Like that is where to be. Probably from watching this episode. Probably. But I couldn't tell what flavor of ice cream she was eating. It looked like it might be chocolate chip. I couldn't tell. The label didn't really say so. Yeah, I think it's one of those ones where like the type of ice cream is actually on the lid. 
because it's like around like half gallon. She's eating like a half gallon. Yeah, it's like the big container. It's not like yeah. a Ben and Jerry's little one. Yeah. It's like a big one. She's so just got like it the there. Sil- the, the cylindrical one. I think usually the flavor is on the lid. Yeah. Not on the I'm like, side, go, so. Scully, go. And also it's a made up brand, right? We know. Yeah, it's not real. So. so a woman is standing there and she asks what Mulder is doing trespassing on federal property. And he tells her he's a federal agent and flashes his badge. And she tells him that she's Dr. Barenbaum. USDA Agricultural Research Service, and she flashes her own badge. I don't know. I worked for the Department of Agriculture at one point. I didn't get a badge. Yeah, I don't know if that's a real thing, but it's cool. And Mulder tells her that he needs to ask her a few questions, and she's like, such as? And he's like, such as what is a woman like you doing in a place like this? Yeah, and Uh, she's dressed like sexy Jane Goodall, like with little shorts and like a shirt that's all mm -hmm. basically completely unbuttoned and yeah and she's like pretty she's got kind of a cute face and like short hair and she's just i don't know she's adorable and so then back at scully's we kind of see her staring at her phone and she's looking a little worried or uncertain which is fair i mean Mulder was in a strange house and then is like gotta go and hung up real quick so like yeah i'd be worried too but baron bomb takes Mulder into an office in the house and she tells him that she's studying how insects react to changes in light temperature etc and Mulder's like why all the secrecy and she's like, you expect us to advertise that we've infested a house in their neighborhood with thousands of cockroaches? And Mulder asks if the cockroaches are a normal species. And Baron Baum's like, yeah, they're a common one. And he asks if she's ever encountered a type of cockroach that's attracted to people. And she's like, actually, cockroaches have been known to wash themselves after being touched by humans. And he's like, have you ever seen a cockroach attack a person? And Baron says there have been cases where roaches may crawl into a person's nose or ears or something. And then Mulder points to a roach that's standing on this like triangular tube and it's like wrapped in copper. And he asks what it is. And she tells him that since a roach's exoskeleton is a dielectric surrounding a conductive medium of its body fluid, when it's introduced to an electrical field, the brush discharge will result in a colored flare. And so she hits a button to demonstrate and the roach's exoskeleton flares this blue light. And Barenbaum actually has a theory that UFOs are actually insect swarms. And then she's like, I don't know if you know anything about UFOs, which, of course, we know Mulder knows everything about UFOs. Well, maybe not everything. He's about to learn something. Yeah. But she says that the characteristics of a typical UFO sighting have elements of an insect swarm suddenly appearing, moving in a non-mechanical manner. Sometimes a strange humming. They can interfere with radio and TV signals and then suddenly disappearing. And Mulder says that's fascinating. And Barenbaum's like, insects are fascinating and honest. All they do is eat, sleep, defecate, and procreate. Same as us, but they don't kid themselves about it. And she asks if her scientific detachment kind of disturbs him. I don't know if he makes a face or something. It's kind of a weird comment, but... Well, he's, he's just kind of like he's he's totally like infatuated with her at this point. Yeah, but so. he's just yeah. I don't know if she's getting that. She's just kind of like you're yeah. just. I think it's just because he's staring like blankly at her, like <laughs> oh. Right there's like drool coming out of his mouth. <laughs> yeah, he he has a little crush, <laughs> and he's like, "No, I find it refreshing." And then they smile at each other, and then his phone rings, and he's just like, "Not now." <laughs> And Mulder tells Baronbaum that he's always found insects to be very interesting in a way that is definitely flirty. Yeah. Doing exactly what she said that she likes about bugs is that they don't like pretend otherwise, right? He's like, oh, yes, I've always found insects interesting. He's trying to, <laughs> yeah. 
He's trying to get into her good graces over there. Yeah, or something. Oh. Yeah. And Bambi Berenbaum is played by Bobby Phillips, who was in the Red Shoe Diaries with David Duchovny. And she also appeared in the movie Showgirls. Apparently, internet fans really hated her when this episode aired. I don't know where fans stand on her now. But when it aired, there was a lot of vitriol on the internet about her. I don't know whether that was because she was a woman doing science, because I know Scully got a lot of vitriol at that time as well, or if it's because Mulder is obviously attracted to her and flirting with her, and if that was like kind of the issue. But either way, people didn't really like her when the episode first came out. Yeah. Interrupting the ship. Interrupting the ship. (laughs) Yeah. Also, I mean, they could have just not liked. I mean, I'm not saying that I dislike her. But, right. People can just not like her, but generally well, she also, if I mean, not to the far extreme, but she is kind of like a caricature mm-hmm, of a, a little bit in this episode. So, yeah, she's pretty and, you know, dressing. Like I said, she's like she's not dressed like for what she's doing. She's dressed like she should be out like in the wilds of Africa looking for insects, not like just in her house. I mean, so. she looks like she could be in Jurassic Park. She's got like the yeah. shorts and the, you the shorts know. and the top and everything. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so. very Ellie Settler. Yeah. Whom I also love very, very much. But that's... <laughs> so I don't know if I love Bambi. I actually like her in this episode, but like. Yeah, she's fine. I don't have yeah. any problem with her. Yeah. So. Surprisingly, I think there's not a lot, but she has way more chemistry than like Mulder and his real life girlfriend did in three mm-hmm. or then yes. like. Mulder and Phoebe, Phoebe in Phoebe Fire. In fire. Yeah. yeah. No, I think yeah. that she at least she and Mulder have some chemistry and kind of a connection. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, it's nice. So they did a better job on this one. So then we were in Miller's Grove Motor Lodge. So we're like in the motel and we see this man laying on a bed, the lights off, watching news on the TV. And the reporter is all like, This is the fifth body to be found amongst a horde of cockroaches. And then as the man's watching TV, like we see cockroaches like walking along on the bed and like brushing at his feet and he kind of like, uh, you know, and just they're basically there are roaches in his room all over the place and he's unaware of it. And then the report keeps talking about how the police haven't confirmed the involvement of the cockroaches in the deaths, nor the rumors that they are actually an outbreak of Ebola being spread by cockroaches. So we get hemorrhagic fever again because Ebola is a type of hemorrhagic fever. And then cockroaches again, we're seeing cockroaches crawl over the bed. And the reporter continues that if you see any roaches, don't panic. Just call the authorities and evacuate the area. And then we see like men in hazmat suit, like behind her, like coming into the scene. So, yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I thought that was really clever because it's very like disaster movie where the news is like, don't panic. Nothing's wrong. But then you see these guys in hazmat suits and you're like, wait, that's not normal. Like what's really happening there? So I thought that was a clever little thing. Yeah. So then the man changes the channel on the remote because he's bored. Yeah. So then Mulder wakes up and he likes brushing. I think Mulder is just like bugs, right? Because he's like, oh, he's like, thinks there are bugs on him. There's, I don't think there are. But he's no. just kind of like checking his nostrils. because <laughs> Basically, he's just spent like the entire night talking to the doctor who has been telling him all about bugs. So he's kind of got bugs on the mind and then there's dead bodies with cockroaches. So and when he turns on the light and he picks up the phone and he calls Scully. And she's in bed. She answers her phone and she asks if he's okay. And he says he can't sleep. And then she asks what happened at the USDA site. And he tells her they're conducting legitimate experiments there. He met an entomologist, Dr. Berenbaum, who agrees with Scully's theory about an accidental importation of a new cockroach species. And Scully asks if he gave Mulder any idea of how to catch them. And Mulder says no, but she told him everything there is to know about insects. And Scully seems a little like she. 
And he tells her about how the Egyptians worshipped the scarab beetle and the pyramids may be just big symbolic dung heaps. And then Scully interjects with a comment about how the inventor of the flush toilet was named Thomas Crapper, which is actually false. And then Mulder continues that Bambi, and Scully's like, her name is Bambi. And then Mulder just keeps telling her that Bambi's parents were naturalists. And he also tells her about her theory of UFOs. Then he asks if he can confess something to Scully. And she has a look on her face like, no, I don't want you to confess anything. Because <laughs> yeah, she doesn't want that. Say, like, I think I'm in love. And she's like, right. no, but I love you. But anyway, <laughs> she's like, sure, okay. And he tells her how he hates insects. And she's like, oh, a lot of people are afraid of insects. But Mulder says he's not afraid of them. He hates them. When he was a kid, he was climbing in a tree when he saw a leaf coming towards him. And then he realized it was a praying mantis. And he screamed, not in a girly way. And then he asked if she ever noticed how a praying mantis head resembles an alien's head. And he was repulsed. And she jokes that if he was sure that it wasn't a girly scream. And then someone actually screams in the motel. And she's like, what was that? Because I guess she can hear it over the phone. Mm -hmm. And he hangs up. Yeah. And then there are several people in the motor lodge coming out into the hallway. And they go to the room where the scream came from, including Eckerly, who was the guy who owns the house the exterminator died in. Oh, yeah, so clearly he got a motel room just like Frass was telling him to because he didn't want to right, sleep in yeah. his house. Yeah. Anyway, he knocks on the door and asks if everything's all right and there's no answer. So they open the door, which was apparently not locked, and they turn on the light and they see the man who was watching television earlier. He's on the bed. He's dead and he's covered in cockroaches. And they're like, Wah! and they run. And then as they're running away, Mulder comes towards the room like with his pants like all unbuckled. So he must like just pulled on a pair of pants. He's all shirtless and carrying his gun. And he enters the room and he sees the man lying dead on the bed, but all the cockroaches are gone. Oh, creepy. Yeah. And one of the people in the hallway is Tom Heaton, who played the cemetery caretaker in Shadows. He was oh, among nice. our little group of like recurring characters that we wanted to see. So yeah. I think at the time we did mention he was going to be in one more episode. This is it. All so, right. There he yes. is. Yeah. When everybody finds the dude's dead body, the eyes are closed. But then when Mulder comes in, the dude's eyes are open. And then also <laughs> right before they cut back to Mulder and then we go to commercial, the dude takes a breath. He's all. <gasps> so oh, no. he'd been holding for too long and they yeah, get the But shot. he was like dead with eyes closed and then he's dead with eyes open in the next scene. So yeah. a little continuity issue there. So back at Scully's, she's back in her work clothes and she's packing a bag and her phone rings. And Mulder's on the line and he tells her that one of the motel guests died. And Scully tells him that she's coming up there. Mulder actually thinks that the man died to a reaction to the roaches. And Scully's like, well, two cases of anaphylactic shock in the same town on the same day due to roaches is highly improbable. And Mulder actually thinks the man had a heart attack. And Fraz comes into the room and Mulder tells her that word about the cockroach related deaths has gotten out. And Mulder thinks the man saw roaches and it scared him to death. And Fraz hands Mulder a report. And he reads it, and then Mulder tells Scully that she's been totally correct on this one. The exterminator died of anaphylactic shock. The teen did die of self-inflicted wounds and was doing drugs. And the medical examiner died of an aneurysm. And Scully's like, well, I still can't explain the cockroaches at all the sites. And Mulder adds, or that their exoskeletons are made of metal. And Scully's like, wait, what are you talking about? And then he sees a roach trap under a table, so he doesn't answer. And she's just like... I'm coming up there. Yeah, he's like, whatever. And then he like kicks up the phone and like goes and gets throat trapped. Oh, um, I don't think Scully is going up there because she thinks something's weird. 
Uh-uh, no, it's because she's jealous. She totally uh-huh. has a little, yeah. she's like Bambi, woman doctor, and Mulder's yeah. talking about her and telling her. There have been many times when like life things story. have happened and she's being yeah. like, well, two cases at one time like is improbable. That doesn't mean it's weird. And now she's like, that's highly improbable. I gotta go. So, no, yeah. <laughs> no, I definitely got some jealousy vibes from her in this one. And the next one a little too, but the next one is super weird. So we'll talk about that when we get there. Yeah, when she, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that. Yeah, she definitely um is uh oh, what's the word I'm looking? Well, we'll get to it. Yeah. yeah. So Mulder is with Baronbaum and they're looking at the roach from the trap. And he asks her if she can identify what type of cockroach it is. She says she should because the abdomen is still attached and they can differentiate species by their genitalia. And then she's like, Oh my god. And apparently this cockroach has big genitalia. She is super excited by the cockroaches. She says it's hung. And yeah, so anyway, she <laughs> takes it to the microscope to have a better look and then says it's abnormal for a cockroach, but maybe not for a microprocessor. And then she asks Mulder to look at it. Mulder looks at it, but he doesn't know what he's looking at because he doesn't know bugs. And she says that she's read articles in science journals about researchers who have built robots that look and behave like insects. And she's actually thought about visiting one of their labs, you know, because remember, big science constituency, so... Mm-hmm. We don't actually get to see the cool like microprocessor genitalia that this cockroach has, unfortunately. No, so. they did not try to recreate that. No. So then we're at the Massachusetts Institute of Robotics, and Mulder walks down a hall, and a roach-like robot the size of a small dog crosses his path and then goes into a room with an open door. And so Mulder walks closer to the door, and the robot comes back out, and its big robot eyes turn to look at him. And he follows it around the corner and into this like lab workroom thing. And we see a man in a wheelchair with an electrolarynx and he comes up behind him and he asks Mulder what he's doing in his lab. And Mulder asks if he's Dr. Ivanov and Ivanov asks why Mulder is scaring his robots. Yes. I did like what they did in this scene because we get the Massachusetts Institute of robots across the screen. And then as the robot goes across the screen, it actually like erases the letters. So that was kind of cool. I kind of like that. Ivanov tells Mulder that for decades, his colleagues in AI have attempted to create an autonomous robot. They tried to give them human-like brains and failed. The human brain is too complex. And Mulder bends down to look at a robot on the table. And Ivanov says that humans think too much, but insects merely react. And the first robot comes back and it starts rolling up to Mulder and... Ivanov tells them that by using insects as a model, he was able to make them work. They use sensors and reflex responses to take on the behavior of intelligence. And Mulder asks if the robot at his feet is programmed to head toward any object moving in its sensors, but Ivanov is like, no. So Mulder's like, well, why is it following me? And Ivanov is like, he likes you. So later they're sitting at a computer and Mulder asks if he's contracted with NASA. And Ivanov explains that the goal is to transport a fleet of robots to another planet and allow them to navigate the terrain with more intricacy than any space probe could. It might sound fantastic, but the only obstacle Ivanov can see is finding a renewable energy source for the robots. In any case, this is the future of space exploration. It doesn't involve any living entities. And Mulder says, like, I'm just speculating here, but if extraterrestrial life forms do exist, and Ivanov says that he actually believes that they do, assuming they're more technologically advanced than we are, 
and Ivanov's ideas about the future of space travel are correct. And Ivanov finishes that then interplanetary exploration by extraterrestrials would likely be mechanical in nature. He thinks aliens will come in the form of robots, not little gray men. And anyone who thinks otherwise has read too much science fiction. And Mulder kind of looks away. So, <laughs> yeah. um, And, you know, giving the Mars rover project, which launched in 2003, I mean, he's not entirely wrong because we did send robots to Mars. We didn't have a renewable energy source. We just let them run out of power, which is sad, but it worked for a long time. So it was yeah, a good lasted way longer than they thought it would. It so did. Yeah. It went for years instead of like the 90 day window. I think they were had originally planned, I believe. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So Mulder pulls out the roach legs from the trap in a plastic baggie and asks if Ivanov can identify it. And he's like, I'm not really good with bugs, but Mulder tells him to give it a try under the microscope. So Ivanov does, and his eyes widen, and he seems stunned. And when Mulder asks if he can identify it, he merely shakes his head, and he tries to speak, but because he's turned to look in the microscope, his little electrolarynx is not there. So then he turns back, and Mulder like, holds it to his neck, and he's like, it's beyond my comprehension. And then we see a bug crawl across the screen. Yeah, which I know Nick doesn't like, but like I remember watching it in the dark on the TV and like that totally like there were no cockroaches in my town or at least I had never seen them before. And it freaked me out. I was like, ah, because it does like in that situation, it is for a second like, ah, because you're already kind of worried about bugs. And I thought it was kind of a cool little thing that they did. Yeah, well, it's one of those things where like I could totally see like if you're watching it in the dark on like a cabinet television, right? Like, you know, like in the normal days when you'd have a big TV, it was like all right in In the nineties when the show was made. Yeah. You'd be watching that and be like, Whoa, what, you know, what the fuck was that? Like you'd see like the roach going across, but like, you know, nowadays, like I'm watching it on my laptop on a Saturday morning. And it just like, looks like someone like trying too hard. And then it obviously fails. It also totally pulls you out of the episode because then you realize that Mulder and Ivanov are actually like behind a screen, like literally under glass as it were. And so it just kind of like, like I could see like at the moment, but then also like, you know, I mean, I don't know, maybe you're not thinking like in the future, but like you watch it now and you're like, oh, that's yeah. Okay. Whatever. So eh. Dr. Ivanov is played by Ken Kramer who played Dr. Don't touch my monkey Berube in the Erlenmeyer flask. Yeah. I thought he looks familiar. Yeah. And then he also played Dr. Browning in three which is like the dentist that Mulder requests to come look at like the bite marks on the body. And so he's got a really good character actor face. Cause I was like, like, dude, he's familiar. And then I looked it up and it was like, Oh, and then I actually didn't remember who Dr. Browning, like I knew who Dr. Berube was right after. I was like, Oh, he's the monkey dude. But then I couldn't remember who Dr. Browning was. And I was kind of like, is that the dentist? Cause I was trying to think out when the weather, where there was a doctor in three. And so I actually went back and watched and it. it is him, but you're like, wow, he looks completely different. Like in each role that he's in. So kind of impressed and he's still working he actually has a credit in 2021 and we're going to hit all the tory tags he has been in single episodes of the commish dead like me psych fringe once upon a time and supernatural nice nice. among lots of other stuff so yeah Yeah. i was looking i was like i mean these are obviously all things that were filled in vancouver which makes sense yes so but yeah, I was like, oh, that's hitting all the Tory cues. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah, boom. all the shows that I watch pretty much. <laughs> well, I didn't really get into Fringe, but. Yeah, but yeah, he's, he was actually, he's literally in one episode of each of those shows. Yeah, so. well, that would make sense. And again, they're all filmed in Vancouver. And so, yeah, that would. Yeah, this is his third and final appearance in the X-Files. Though. So he oh, that's too bad. Again. So, but yeah, but he's still around. So it's not like he 
doctor anything. So in his store, people are panic buying and pulling things off the shelves. And a man moves a kid and grabs a package of toilet paper. And we see someone else grab like armfuls of bottled water. And we see several people grabbing for cans of bug spray. And it's like this little like convenience store type store. So it's not super big. And Scully walks in and behind her, we see there's like this car collision, like two cars crash into each other. And the drivers start shouting at each other. And Scully asks the clerk if they sell roadmaps. And the woman the clerk is checking out is like, can you hurry And Scully asks what's going on. And the woman says, haven't you heard about the roaches? They're devouring people whole. And Scully looks kind of incredulous at this. And she asks the woman if she's seen any roaches herself. And the woman's like, no, but they're everywhere. And takes her bag and leaves. And another man comes up to the counter and he's like, roaches aren't attacking people. They're spreading the Ebola virus. And Scully, having heard enough, kind of turns around and shouts to everyone in the store to listen up. And she holds up her badge. And she assures everyone that they're not in any danger. Everything is going to be okay if you calm down and start acting rationally. And then she turns back to the clerk to get a roadmap. She like kind of demands a roadmap. And we see two women turn back to the shelf and they both grab the same can of bug spray. And it's like the last can on the shelf. Die, so they bug, die. So apparently the same brand is the flea. Killer. Yeah. And they start fighting over it and they knock over a display of candy and these chocolate candy balls come rolling out of the boxes and some guy yells roaches and people flee the store without paying for their stuff like they're still holding it and they just like run out and Scully walks up to the display and she picks up a box and then she looks inside and she takes a piece of chocolate out and she eats it. So yeah, Darren Morgan, as we talked about, was trying to create like kind of a war of the world type panic in this episode. But after 2020 and COVID, this kind of panic shopping kind of hits differently. Not that I ever saw people like fighting over stuff in the stores, but just like people buying a bunch of stuff and like, you know, empty shelves and not being able to find toilet paper. Have lived yeah, this that. is probably the stupidest scene I've ever seen in my life. But Well, I liked it. Yeah. And also the candy is called Choco Droppings. Like, grow the fuck up. Like, seriously, come on. I mean, anyway. I didn't even notice the name of the candy. I like the scene though. I thought it was good. It's, and then Scully was like putting her badge up, like, everyone listen to me. Like, whatever. Oh, come like, on. Let Scully have some authority. It's fine. Whatever. Like, no one's going to listen to you. And they didn't. So I don't know what she was thinking. Anyway, so meanwhile, Mulder is sitting with Ivanov and they're drinking. They've got some whiskey. They've had maybe a couple glasses. And Mulder thanks him for taking the time to answer his questions. And obviously, Ivanov is probably drinking because he's been he's been shocked by these cockroach legs that he looked at and Mulder gets up and leaves. And then in the hall, he sees that robot again going across the floor. And then he notices a roach on its back on the floor and he picks it up. This roach is not dead. It's like twitching as soon as he picks it up and he looks it in the face and he's like, greetings from planet earth. And we kind of see it like, not exactly, but sort of like from like insect vision where there's like multiple versions of mm-hmm. Mulder's face. Not, really that well done but anyway and then commercial we come back and baron bomb is examining the cockroach that Mulder found in ivanov's hall and she's like it's just a typical cockroach they're common in this area this time of year and it's part of why she set her study up here and then Mulder's phone rings and Scully is standing at the counter of the convenience store, which is completely empty. Like No one is in it. Even the clerk is gone. Mm-hmm. And she's looking at some maps and she tells Mulder that she may have a lead. 
Dr. Eckerly, the fuel researcher who witnessed the exterminator's death. The fuel he's researching is methane gas derived from manure. And he has an import license to bring in animal dung samples from outside the country. And so she thinks that since cockroaches are dung eaters, some of them may have come in with some of the samples and that the fuel research facility could be ground zero for the infestation. Because we know that they can have like lots and lots of little baby cockroaches really fast. Very quick. Yes. Yes. As we learned in the opening from yes. the astute Dr. Bugger. Yep. And so Mulder is like, you know, because he's sitting right there by Dr. Berenbaum. And so he tells her like, what if an alien civilization were sufficiently advanced and able to send artificially intelligent robotic probes out into space? They might also have been able to perfect the extraction of methane fuel from manure. And then Dr. Berenbaum turns around and looks at him, kind of like interested in like his science knowledge. And Scully says she thinks Mulder has been in that town too long. And Mulder asks where the research facility is located. Yep. So then we're at Alt Fuels, whose slogan is apparently waste is a terrible thing to waste. Not a bad idea. And Mulder pulls up with Berenbaum in the car and he tells her that she should wait in the car until he's sure it's safe. And she tells him to be careful. They don't know what these roaches are capable of or if they're even roaches. And we see Eckerly is in his office and he's peering out behind the blinds into this warehouse. So he has one of those offices that have like glass windows into the warehouse. And the warehouse appears to be full of cockroaches. I thought he was looking out at them and then we just looked in the warehouse, but I may have not understood the scene. I thought he so. was looking at the cockroaches. I didn't think he saw them pull up. Okay. I wasn't sure. But yeah, that's, that's, that might actually, I don't know. I'd have to go back and watch it again, but I was pretty sure he was looking out at the roaches. And then he turns around and he hears like this roach chirp and he sprays like this. He has like this can of bug spray and he sprays, but it's obviously out because like pretty much nothing comes out and the roach just crawls away and he tosses the can because it's empty. Yeah. And Mulder walks into the facility and he arrives at the tables that have packages of manure and he stops to try and grab a roach from the pile, but the pile explodes and he ducks and we see Eckerly is standing in the doorway of his office with his gun out and Mulder stands and Eckerly's like, they're after me first at his house, then the motel. So he came here to get away. But they're following him. And he's he's sounding pretty unhinged at this point. Not that mm -hmm. he sounded super on top of his game in the first scene. But now he's definitely sounding like he is probably not slept in a while and has kind of lost it. Yeah, I mean, they bit. totally telegraphed it in that first scene. He was like, just bugs make me crazy. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. It may have made him crazy. So Mulder puts his hands up and he tells Eckerly that he's not in any danger. These insects won't harm him. And Eckerly's like, I've seen them kill two men. And Mulder tries to tell him that they weren't responsible for those deaths, but they may be responsible for theirs if he continues firing his gun in a plant full of methane gas. And Eckerly's kind of near tears, and he's just like, don't you understand? The bugs drive me crazy. Yeah. And then so Scully's car pulls up along Mulder's, and Berenbaum is still sitting in it. And Scully realizes that she's Dr. Berenbaum. She's like, Bambi. And Berenbaum tells Scully that Fox told me to wait here. And Scully is like whips out her gun and like jams a clip in it and totally like, oh, I know what I'm doing, lady. You stay in yeah, a little bit of posturing. Yeah. yeah. Posturing. That was the word I was trying to think of earlier. And I could, I kept wanting to say posing. And I'm like, that's not right. No, so she's boom, posturing you a little. Yeah. Yeah. So then back inside, Eckerly asks Mulder why the roaches are making that weird noise. 
and Mulder tells him that in Madagascar, there are roaches that hiss by blowing air through their upper thorax. And Eckerly asks how he knows so much about them, and Mulder's like, I don't. He's just been getting stories, obviously, from Dr. Baerdbaum. And that's why they shouldn't kill these roaches, but capture them for further study. And he asks Eckerly to put the gun down. And he's slowly, like, getting closer and closer to Eckerly, like, you just need to put the gun down. And Eckerly looks at the gun, and he's like, I've lost my mind, haven't I? And Mulder's like, no, you're fine. You've just had a really stressful day, and it's impeding your ability to think clearly. And Mulder says, your judgment's probably just a little clouded. And Eckerly kind of gets close to him with the gun because he realizes Mulder's coming back to him. And then he's like, how do I know you're not a cockroach then? And Mulder kind of backs away. <laughs> so, almost had it. Nope. Not quite. Not quite. Yeah. So Scully comes in and she calls for Mulder and she gets no answer. So she calls his phone and his phone rings. And of course, Eckerly mistakes the phone ringing for a cockroach chirp and says, you are one of them. And he shoots and Mulder ducks. And the bullet hits a pipe behind him and Mulder runs for the stairs and Eckerly fires again. And the shot ignites some gas and it sends these flames shooting out of the pipe because the pipe had gas in it. Yeah, not a great situation. So Mulder's like running out. He runs into Scully and he tells her to run. This whole place could blow. So they both run for the exit and Mulder shouts a bear mom to get down. I would, I don't know. I'd probably recommend she get out of the car because it's parked right next to the building, but it seems to work out okay. Well, if she gets out of the car, she's going to be exposed to like exploding. That's- yeah, debris. that's true. To so debris, she's better off so. just ducking in case the windshield bursts, right? So. Yes. But he and Scully run and duck behind the car. And then there's an explosion inside the building. And dung and glass come flying out. And despite having taken cover, Mulder and Scully stand up from behind the car and are covered in debris from the explosion. Yeah, because they're just covered in crap, literally. They're covered mm-hmm. in shit. So I yeah, don't know how they got covered in shit because they were behind the car, but they are. Yeah, it flew out over. Oh. Yeah, yeah see it. anyway. So later, Mulder and Scully are standing outside the plant, and Frass tells them that it's like a crematorium inside, and he doesn't think they'll be able to locate Eckerly's remains. I mean, they should be able to. I mean, come on. But anyway, Frass says that it's not as bad as some of the fires they had last night, though. Apparently, there were four fires, 18 car accidents, 13 assault and batteries, two stores were looted, totaling 36 injuries, half of them from insecticide poisoning. But there weren't any more cockroach reports. So he's like, Yay. looking up. Things are looking yep. up. Yep. <laughs> and then he tells Mulder and Scully to go home and get some rest because they look pooped. And then he leaves. And as we mentioned earlier, not only are Mulder and Scully somehow covered in crap, far more than like the windshield of the car that they duck behind, but they are covered 360 degrees, front, back, all sides. Um, it's like kind of ridiculous. They are just like, it was like someone just like, ran around them with a shit gun and spattered them. So Scully's coat especially is like covered like front to back. But somehow her shirt didn't get any on it, even though like her coat is open. But her coat is just covered. She's got it in her hair, on her face. Mulder's got it all over his face, all over his coat. So yeah, a little a little over the top with the um, the poop. Mm-hmm. But So Ivanov comes up and he's calling for Mulder. And he asks Mulder if he can have that sample again to examine and Mulder tells him that it's completely desiccated, but he pulls out the baggie. And Berenbaum makes a comment about how some insects don't develop wings until their final molting. Maybe these roaches finally got wings and flew off. And Scully does not look impressed with that theory. And Ivanov asks if he can have the sample for further study. And Mulder asks Ivanov what he hopes to find. And Berenbaum says, his destiny. 
And Berenbaum gets the reference to Planet of the Apes. And so they start chatting and she knows who Dr. Ivanov is. So she tells him that she loves his research and they basically walk off together. And Mulder, Mulder looks a little defeated. And Scully tells him to think about it this way. Maybe by the time there's an invasion of alien insect robots, their Uber children will have come up with a way to combat them. And Mulder looks at her and says, I never thought I'd say this to you, Scully, but you smell bad. And then he walks away. So the little his destiny line that Berenbaum says circles back to Dr. Zayas because it's Dr. Zayas talking to Dr. Zira in that Mm -hmm. scene. But the quote is actually kind of taken out of context here. So it would be kind of weird for Dr. Berenbaum to be saying it in regard to Ivanov's interest in the bugs, unless she assumes it's going to end in like their destruction because Zayas is actually referring to Taylor Charlton Heston when he refers to that as his destiny because he's walking off to go you know discover what's going to go on yeah although I think people just quote movies and they don't always think of the context I know I definitely do that a lot so you know I don't think she's thinking of it in those terms yeah also they may have just tried to shoehorn it in so they could have a nice circle back to the beginning so Mm -hmm. anyway so Mulder is back home and he's typing on his computer and he's eating like a muffin which when you think muffin this is not what you're seeing. So I, I guess they still do this. But back in the 90s, you could go buy muffins that were basically a freaking cake. They were gigantic and they basically were cake. And so he's got like this giant thing on a plate that's like he's been picking at. It's like a Costco plate. muffin. If you go to Costco and you buy their muffin. Okay, well, see, I don't go to Costco, but yeah, yeah. So it's, it's gigantic. It's basically like a yeah, cake. Yeah, it's a Costco. You can muffin. buy cakes that are smaller than this. It's way bigger <laughs> than a cupcake. Anyway. Yeah, it's like a giant. That. Yeah. Yeah. So he's in on that and he's typing. And as he's typing, we get voiceover. And it's like the development of our cerebral cortex has been the greatest achievement of the evolutionary process. And he's like, big deal. And then he's like, while allowing us the thrills of intellect and the pangs of self-consciousness, it is all too often overruled by our inner instinctive brain. The one that tells us to react, not reflect, to run rather than to ruminate. And then he's like, maybe we've gone as far as we can. And our next step will be the technology of our creation. And as he's typing, like the software beeps and apparently like his keyboard is not working. So he smacks the monitor and works. So again, mm-hmm. and then he finishes and he's like, or perhaps that step forward has already been achieved on another planet by organisms that had a billion years head start on us. If these beings ever visited us, would we recognize what we were seeing? And then upon catching sight of us, would they react in anything but horror at seeing such mindless, primitive hideous creatures and then he goes to get some muffin and this giant like wing cockroaches on his plate like a good like two inches and he picks up an x-file he's thinking about smacking it but i'm thinking maybe he doesn't want to smack his muffin and so he just kind of stares at it and then it crawls off the plate and onto his desk and then boom the x-file smashes it and then it's over yeah so just a funny little thing um, in the Starkin musical Starship, they're, they, they well, Starkin musical Starship, they land on a bug planet and there's a song called Hideous Creatures about how like the bugs think the humans are hideous creatures and the humans think the bugs are hideous creatures. And they, it's kind of like a ensemble number and they sing back and forth and they both think the other group is gross, right? Yeah. So well, that also thought- goes back to the plan of the apes because like 
Yes. They think he's like Dr. Zero is like, oh, they're so ugly because they're looking at the humans. And so, yes. Yeah. yeah I mean, Star Kid is nothing if not somewhat derivative on purpose, but they're awesome. Yeah. In this episode, they use a lot of real cockroaches, which they kept in a roach corral on set because they obviously didn't want to infest the studio. I'm sure the studio heads were loving this. And the roach who runs under the toilet stall is actually kind of a lucky accident. They actually had it like under the camera and they kind of released it and it just like ran straight under the toilet stall where the actor was. So it just worked out really well. Well, and also, um, I mean, that is like an actual job, like people who raise them for that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. So, oh, I'm for sure. sure. It's not like they were like, oh, my God, we've got to be super careful. I mean, I'm sure like they've done this before. The people who like they got the roaches from. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And they also like couldn't hurt the cockroaches obviously so they had to work with the wranglers to get the shots so obviously there mm-hmm. were cockroach lingers on set and at one point they were struggling to get the shot and the shot they were struggling to get is one where they're all in the back of the toilet bowl and so kim manners kind of put his head in the bucket of cockroaches and he told them to shape up when he says action he wants them to run to the top of the tank and then he did and they actually did that the next take probably coincidentally although i'm sure the wranglers were trying to aim them that way and it actually worked out really well And cinematographer John Bartley said, when I saw Kim Manners talking to a bucket of cockroaches, that was the highlight for me of this episode. So I thought that was kind of funny. I wonder if they can use with roaches. I wonder if they can use kind of like with ants, you can actually make ants like write words. Like they can follow the food and stuff like that. There's a scent they give out when they have found food. And so if you extract that scent and then like you can write, you can actually make them like write out words and they'll just follow it. And then you can take photos of like ants, like, writing so i don't know if there's something like with cockroaches you could do that to make them go a certain way i mean yeah it sounds like maybe they didn't have that but i wonder if you can do that like maybe that's in some maybe yeah i don't know because ants are a totally different kind of insect and they have you know obviously they all have their own way of reacting with the world so right and in addition to the real cockroaches they did use some plastic and rubber ones for some of the scenes and especially for like the bit like the bisected or the you know just the torso bits those were all rubber surprisingly this was not an itchy episode i thought this was going to be an itchy episode because you had told me it was about bugs yeah and i was like oh because we had you know recently come off of the list which you know is the itchiest episode ever but this one i didn't find it itchy it was just not good <laughs> i know I, I was thinking about it, i was like this episode is to clyde brookman's final repose what like shadows is to like pilot or Dwayne Barry. Like you're like, how did the same person write both of these episodes? Like one is super good and one is not so great. Except this one is like super self-referential and it's overstuffed with jokes and one-liners and people don't actually have conversations. They just exchange quips and non sequiturs because that's cool and edgy and gets super boring and irritating really fast. Anyway, so you can actually tell that it is the same writer. Whereas like some of Chris Carter's are like, wait, he wrote this, but he wrote that how can that be so yeah well i mean writers have hits and misses right everyone just like everyone else some things you do work out some things you don't yeah also strangely like everyone except for ivanoff and maybe dr berenbaum are totally like oh yeah metal cockroaches that's fine no one cares like no one like they talk about metal cockroaches like at the last scene Mulder's talking about like it's just common metal it's a cockroach like it's common metal like, it's metal cockroaches. That should be a big deal. And they're like, whatever, dude. Here, you can have them. They go off to do their destiny. Yeah. Like, Mulder Scully don't seem to care about metal cockroaches at all, which seems really weird. But Yeah, you know. I don't know. 
It's, I definitely thought when the episode started, it was going to be something sinister with like the pesticide because he said we have a new pesticide that we're using, like the new fungal thing. Yeah. And then the dude, like Dr. We're, we're, like I said, we're going to just call him Dr. Bugger because that's what his shirt says. He like grasped at his throat. Like he's like, oh, like the pesticide might be getting him or something. I don't know if like the cockroach was doing like Jedi mind choke on him or what, but like, I don't know why he suddenly started choking, but I guess he was going to anaphylactic shock. Right. So. Yeah. But yeah, that seemed kind of weird. And yeah, and then it's like, oh, but there are maybe built robot cockroaches. And then it's like, we don't even really ever know. The cockroaches aren't really a problem, it turns out. So Yeah, and like knows? Dr. Bear, like when Mulder goes in, she's like, be careful. We don't know what these are capable of or if they're even real cockroaches. And then like no one just seems to care, like except for the two scientists. They go off and be like, we're going to figure this shit out. And Yeah. And well, I guess everything else is burned, so I guess they can't really get any samples from inside. Yeah, but I don't know. Still, I'd be like, dude, there are metal cockroaches. Hello. Yeah, it's definitely weird. But yeah. I will say this is my least favorite Darren Morgan episode so far. Like, I really liked Humbug. I really liked everything else he's done. This one just, and it wasn't so much the going back and forth with the jokes. There were a lot of them. It was a lot. But it was more that I just, I felt that this one was just trying to do something and it didn't quite get there. Like, it did the whole panic thing, which I guess is what was going on. But I felt like, I don't know. Didn't work as well for me as some of his other ones have. Yeah. I really like the Scully at home scenes. I thought those were really fun. And I liked it. Like, I don't know. And I like Bambi. I thought she was great. Bambi Berenbaum. I wish she would be a recurring character, but we know that she won't. So too bad. She got things to do. Yeah. That's why uh, I just think it be- doesn't show back up on the X-Files. They're off doing science. Yeah, it'd just be good if, like, you know, every time they had a bug thing, they could, like, go to her and it'd be like, cool, she's back. But, uh, yeah, that doesn't happen. And then Scully could be all super jealous. Yeah, (laughs) she was super jealous, which I kind of liked. I don't know. I thought that they had, like, that cute conversation in the beginning and then, like, she was kind of jealous. I don't know. I kind of liked it. So Yeah, I don't know. It was just the whole thing was just, I mean, it's, uh, I don't know. It's just the Darren Morgan thing where everything is like, like, like every scene, like when Mulder would call Scully, it was, if it was, and I don't know if he was intentionally trying to play that up of where like, I'm going to call Scully and she's going to be Wikipedia for this particular thing. And then the call is going to end and he's going to call her again and she's going to be Wikipedia for something else. And then the call is going to end. And just, it was kind of like, oh, okay, get it. And just, yeah. Uh, it's just, it's, I just, I just like, I like, Dude, Clyde Bruckman is probably one of my like top episodes that I've seen so far. It's like up there. It's definitely like in the top three of the X Files episodes that we've seen. And yet, the fact that he wrote that—I mean, that had a lot of that stuff too. But like, it was—it wasn't. It just didn't seem so like uh all the time. And then it's just like, oh man, come on, it's just so tiring. And I get that it's like you know what you like is what you like, and what you don't like is what you don't like. And I'm just like, oh, just stop, stop. anyway so i guess we got to rate this yeah i think i'm going with a five like it's just kind of a i mean there were some good things that kind of pull it up a little or it would have been a four but for the most part it's just again not my favorite darren morgan episode i get what he was trying to do i don't know that it always works super well but we did get cool entomologist and we got scully living her best life so you know that was cool yeah, I would probably, I'm not sure, because I went back and looked, and I gave Humbuck a four. I did say that it was going to lose a point for, like, the the blatant, like, 
before the episode barely even starts, I'm like, oh, I know what this one's going to be referring to constantly. So he's going to lose a point for that. So I was thinking about giving it a four, which is what I gave Humbug, but it gets a three. Okay. I'm going to do what I said, and I'm going to take that point away. Because I think it's probably, I think I like it better than Humbug, which means I should maybe be thinking about giving it a five, but I'm not going to. (laughs) Fair enough. It could have had a four, and then you got, a point taken away. Yeah. So got a three. Cool. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's not my favorite, but you know, it is what it is. So, I mean, not, honestly, not too different of scores from the two of us, considering our usual, like, usually rate things higher than I do. I usually rate things a little bit lower than you do. We're pretty much on the same level as far as scoring, if you look yeah. at it that way. So. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't as bad as the walk, which maybe I need to lower for my pizza generous. But like, it's definitely not one of the episodes that makes me go, yeah, season three, Stellar X Files. Like, it's okay. <laughs> I remember the bug thing freaking out as a kid, like when it crawled across the screen. I remember, like, I feel like the panic stuff is kind of interesting just retrospectively now in terms of like COVID and how people handle like pandemics we have seen which is not the same thing as like a scary cockroach panic, but like, well, and also the scene there just is weird because like, she's obviously not even in the town yet because she's trying to find a map to figure out how to get there. I'm assuming yet, she's close. I'm assuming out. And then the dude right? is saying, the sheriff is saying like, Oh, and we had two stores looted. So like, does that not include the looting in Scully? Cause where Scully is, is different. Like, I don't know. So it's kind of weird. Like she's there looking for a map. I'm yeah, like, I'm hey, guessing I realize they need close. to give her a reason to be there, and so that was the thing they came up with. But yeah, I would assume she's close to where she's going, and like just not quite there. Because if you're on the outskirts, you know, if you live on the outskirts of Seattle, and there's some kind of zombie outbreak in Seattle, being on the outskirts isn't going to make you feel safe about it. You're not going to be like, well, that's it. it doesn't stop at borders. <laughs> I wouldn't head. I wouldn't head towards it. That's for damn sure. No, I definitely so. wouldn't. But I don't think those people are. I think they're stocking up so they can get the hell out. Well, no, but like Scully is heading towards it, so she's looking for a map. Yes, she right is. There, so. yeah, but yeah, that, I just thought that was weird too. And then that's, that, like I said, I just didn't. That scene just seemed like whatever. Could have just cut that completely out. Um, I realize he he put that in there to get the whole like war of the world's like panic thing right because that's the only place it really appears it doesn't appear anywhere else that for like people are kind of freaked out like in the hotel and stuff but right people are just freaked out and thinking yeah otherwise it's just Mulder saying like word has gotten out and it seems like well then the news yeah the news report we see too is like not people panicking but it's definitely the kind of thing that would induce panic so yeah but yeah yep all righty. All right. I Want to Rewatch is hosted by Tori and Nick and recorded at Black Cat Studios. Hashtag really just a bedroom closet. That's right. We made this. And be sure to join us next time as we rewatch The X-Files Season 3, Episode 13, Syzygy. And try to figure out if, if the, the truth, truth is, is still out there. there.
Did you rewrite the summary a little? It's really good. Um, you mean the opening? The, in no, this episode the, part? In this episode, yeah. I don't think so. Maybe I wrote it. It's just really good. I, I don't remember. I thought I maybe you I, went in there and changed some stuff because I'm like, wow, that. No, I don't think. So I, I, don't, I can't really think of. I think I added like one thing to the script and then just did my notes and that was it. Okay. So, well, well, maybe I just knocked it out of the park that time. I don't you know. Did. You did. <laughs> it's like, wow, Nick really spruced up. It's I good. how good you are. <laughs> Sometimes I have. I mean, moments. yeah, I did. I'm messing with you. I did. I totally fixed it. So. <laughs> 